your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Monday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, November 22nd, 2021. Your boy Q here, again, coming off a day where the Raiders did not look very good. Matter of fact, they just looked plain out bad as they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals 32-13, dropping their overall record on the season to 5-5, five and five, and they're currently on a three-game losing streak. So a lot to unpack on today's show. It's going to be a weird kind of a week because the Raiders have a quick turnaround as they'll be taking on the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. So uh, not a lot of time to dwell on this loss to the Bengals and the current three-game losing streak. What they need to do is try to find a way to uh, get back into the win column, and it will not be easy on Thursday as they take on a Cowboy team coming off a tough loss to the Kansas City Chiefs and they're a really good Dallas team, so uh, it's going to be a tough one on Thursday, but uh, that's what the Raiders' job is, is to try to figure out how to get back into the win column. So we got a lot to talk about coming up on today's show. In segment number three, as I traditionally do, calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, as you can imagine. Tons of calls, tons of texts, got a lot of tweets, got a lot of people hitting me up, and uh, yeah, it's all, it's all good. I appreciate all the feedback. Anytime you uh, hit me up, I try to get as much in as possible, and we'll do that on today's show. Segment number two, going to talk about the Raiders and how they're looking and sounding like a broken team. And what I mean by looking is what I'm seeing on the field. And what I'm talking about sounding is what I'm hearing from them in press conferences and just kind of the overall body language. They're starting to look like, and I don't even know if starting is the right word, they're looking like they're a broken team. So we'll talk about that coming up in segment number two. In segment number one, uh, just give you the news and notes of the day. And really, I just do that as a recap of the game on Sunday. I'll give you the numbers by the game and let you hear a little bit of post-game media session from a couple of the players and the coach. Uh, so that's all coming up in in this segment, again, the Raiders lose 32-13 to to the Bengals. They now are on a three-game losing streak, and their overall record is 5-5 five and five on the season. Before we get into any of that, I do want to thank everyone for making the Lockdown Raider podcast their first listen each and every day. And of course, it is free and available on all platforms. Anywhere you find your favorite podcast, you can find this show. So thank you so much again for the support. I do appreciate that. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the show. So off top, just looking at the numbers for the game, Derek Carr, 19 for 27, 215 yards and a touchdown. Also had an interception, lost a fumble at the end of the game. And really, for like three quarters of the game, Derek Carr had about 80-something yards. Matter of fact, it might have been more than three quarters it might have been deep into the fourth quarter all of a sudden they go on some drive where they get 75 yards and three plays and a touchdown it's like where has that been the whole game so uh, he was really really struggling as far as throwing the ball getting it down the field yes Darren Waller had a better day yes they got on the ball more but it still wasn't an effective you know catches it wasn't a whole lot of Darren Waller where it's like okay he's taking over the game it was just yeah he got some numbers but it wasn't like I said big time effective numbers as far as I'm concerned he still did not get into the end zone but Derek Carr again just 19 for 27 215 yards a touchdown and an interception and then that fumble as well at the end uh, there was a little positive nugget as far as uh, Derek Carr goes and it's nothing that he cares about I'm sure it's nothing Raider Nation cares about either but a little nugget that I received from NFL communications on Sunday evening was uh, about Carr and his passing yards in eight seasons in the league. Uh, it says Derek Carr passed 215 yards and a touchdown against Cincinnati on Sunday. He has 3,041 passing yards this season. He is the fourth quarterback in NFL history with at least 3,000 passing yards in each of his first eight seasons, uh, joining Pro Football Hall of Famer Peyton Manning, Cam Newton, and Russell Wilson. So little side nugget that means absolutely nothing about Derek Carr and what he's done so far this season. 
I mentioned Darren Waller and the fact that he did have a better game, seven catches, 116 yards with a long of 31 yards, but still wasn't the most effective catches and the most effective yards that you could have. Uh, Raiders just had nothing going. They had nothing cooking at all offensively against Cincinnati on Sunday. 72 total rushing yards. Uh, Josh Jacobs led the way with nine carries and 37 yards. Just Their running game is just terrible. I mean, they really have nothing going on the ground. That's a combination of the offensive line, the combination of the running backs. I mean, it's just there's a lot of reasons for it, but they cannot do it. They are just not very good as far as running the rock. They were also terrible on third down. Uh, they were one for seven on third down. One for seven. Uh, the, the Bengals were eight for 16. At least they were 50%. The Raiders only converted a third down. They picked up a third down one time and turned it into a first down. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. The red zone offense wasn't good either. Uh, they got to the red zone three times. They only cashed in once. And one of those red zone trips, the defense set up. You know, the very first offensive drive for Cincinnati, Joe Burrow fumbles. Uh, and then Dallin Levitt picks it up and takes it all the way back to the nine. And side note, he should have taken it to the end zone. There was absolutely no no reason why he cut the ball back up if he had just kept staying on the outside he had a blocker and he would have actually made it to the end zone uh, that's on the press box side of the stadium and so the whole time when I'm seeing him run I'm like oh that's a house call that's awesome it's a great start and then also he cuts it back and I was like what the hell is he doing and he yeah he cuts it back gets to the nine yard line but even though he made that mistake you have to cash that in for a touchdown you cannot settle for three there they did not take one shot at the end zone at all in their possession from the nine First and goal from the nine, and they don't take one shot. They throw the ball a couple times to the flats, and then they run Peyton Barber on first down. Peyton Barber is your first carry? I mean, I just, there's no rhyme or reason to the play calling. It was atrocious. And so they settled for three. Uh, They ended up settling for three again, and I said, you know what? This is going to come back to bite them, and it did. And then all of a sudden it snowballed and turned into what the game ended up being as, as the Raiders got blown out. But, man, it just... It was a bad day for the Raiders' offense altogether. So let's look at the defense real quick. Unique Ngakwe, he had a strip sack that Dallin Levitt recovered and took it to the nine. Again, should have scored a touchdown. He didn't. Raiders couldn't capitalize. They settled for three. He's not going to cut it. Quinn Jefferson, Solomon Thomas from the inside, they both got a sack on the day. That was good. The Raiders had three total sacks. Uh, The defense was just on the field way too long, 37 minutes and 20 seconds. The Bengals had 23 first downs on the day. And in the second half, you could just tell the Raiders' defense was dog-tired. There's nothing they could do. There was just no way that they were going to be able to get off the field three and out or whatever. They were just too tired. Uh, The Bengals' defense was only on the field for 22 minutes and 40 seconds. The Raiders only had 13 first downs on the day. The Bengals were two for two in the red zone. Here we go. This is what really hurt the Raiders as well. Penalties, penalties, and penalties. Seven penalties for 77 yards. And it wasn't just the penalty numbers and the yardage. It was the time of the penalties. Unique Ngakwe, one of the first early drives in the game. He uh, he hits Joe Burrow late, or doesn't even really hit him. He just kind of pushes him. It wasn't really a hard push, but it was an unnecessary push. So he gets a 15-yard penalty, keeps the drive alive. The Bengals get a field goal. Facing, he hits a he hits a defender or hits a, a wide receiver, and they say it was unnecessary roughness. I think that that was a BS penalty, but that turns into three points. That gives the the Bengals another first down, and that turns into three points for them. So that's six points right there that that the Raiders basically gifted the Bengals. I mean, it's just it was just bad timing on those penalties. The uh, Bengals penalties one on the day for five yards. That was it. One penalty, five yards. That was disciplined ball. The Raiders. Very undisciplined. And for a guy like Unique Ngakwe, that should not be acceptable. He's a veteran in the league. He knows better and knows how critical it is to get off the field. Burrow was throwing the ball away, and Ngakwe just gives him a push and shoves him to the ground. And, well, there you go. 15-yard penalty keeps the drive alive. And then even later in the game, when Derek Carr got intercepted by Eli Apple, of all people, 
Can't believe that that happened. Eli Apple, Eli freaking Apple had an interception off Derek Carr. I couldn't believe that. Then Josh Jacobs hit him and hit him late, got a 15-yard penalty. And at this point, you kind of saw the floodgates were about to open and the Bengals were about to take off with the game. But that Josh Jacobs penalty, that was a, a frustration. Just hit him while he was down. Now, he had to tag him down because he hadn't been touched. But he just basically flew in on him and was like, boom, bye yow, just hit him. You know, and that, that clearly was frustration. So that's another 15-yard penalty. So, boom, they had 77 yards of penalties 45 of them came off of three personal foul penalties now i'm going to close this segment out with three sound bites from the post-game media session two from uh, interim head coach rich basachi and one from Derek carr you'll also hear a few more sound bites coming up in segment number two when we talk about the team looking and sounding like they're a broken team but i uh, just wanted you to hear a couple of the sound bites following the game the first one from rich basachi as i always do is his opening statement what he had to say immediately the notes he took throughout the game what he thought of the the overall performance obviously uh you know Poor performance by us, um, for the most part, all the way around. Ended up being a third down game, right? On offense, we're one of seven. On defense, they're eight of 16. They're 50%. Um, early in the game, we get the big turnover. Uh, we don't get a chance to capitalize on that with a touchdown. We end up with a field goal out of that. And then even when we had a chance to stop them early on defense, we end up with some uh, critical penalties that hurt us and kept extended drives alive and uh, put them in the scoring zone as well. I don't think we had a receiver have a catch in the first half. Never looked like we were in sync majority of the game offensively. And, um, you know, we had the one explosive drive in the second half to get us right down back into it. It was really a one-score game to about six minutes to go in the game. And then, you know, we gave up a kickoff return out to the 38-yard line, put our defense back on the field because it was an explosive drive, and then put them in bad field position. And then we gave up um, points there at the end again. So. That's where we are. I'll be happy to answer any questions. So there's the opening statement right there from interim head coach Rich Basaccia just kind of going through all his notes of what he happened to see throughout the course of the game and uh, what went wrong and what went right. And obviously there wasn't a whole lot that went right for the silver and black. Now, Basaccia is a guy that allows his offensive coordinator to be the offensive coordinator, allows his defensive coordinator to be the defensive coordinator, and let them do their job. He's not that guy that's got his fingers involved in everything. So he was asked, Basaccia was asked, if he needs to get more involved, especially on a short week coming up, uh, having to play Dallas on Thursday. Well, yeah, I, again, I, I, um, I've been involved. You know, I mean, this isn't, um, nobody's on an island right now. Um, certainly I sit in all the, a lot of the offensive meetings and I'm involved with the, um, the run meetings um, with Coach Caves and um, us at running backs and Tim. So I just think it's, we all have to dig in. We all have to look at ourselves a little bit. We have a game coming up right away, you know, and so we're going to start early tomorrow. We've gotten ahead. We've worked on Fridays and nights and those kind of things to try to get us a plan for what's ahead for us on, on uh, Thanksgiving. So it, it's no one person. We, we, we all have to dig in. So there's Rich Basaccia saying he was involved or he's been involved offensively, you know, with the offensive game plan, the running backs coach, the offensive line, all that. He's been uh, hands on on that. But again, really, he's a guy who allows his coordinators to be coordinators and do their job. And the final soundbite I want you to hear for this segment is from Derek Carr. Uh, he had a really strange play uh, late in the second quarter. Uh, it was right before halftime, as a matter of fact. Not right before halftime, but it was a few minutes before halftime. Uh, looked like the Raiders had an opportunity to go down the field and score, get into the end zone, and then they were going to get the ball back before or right when the third quarter started and maybe change the momentum of the game. It was from midfield, and all of a sudden, Derek Carr audibled into a third and seven play. So Vic Tafer from The Athletic, he actually asked them about that play, and was that something that uh, he thought was a good call to check into, and if that's a, a play that works very often. So we've used it in the past, um, and it's worked, uh, honestly, against certain looks, and uh, I, again, I'm just trying to execute 
at the best of my abilities with the with the tools that we've talked about throughout the week and um, we're very close on that play honestly from a big play but when it gets stopped it's like oh my gosh you know one of those moments so um, it's been it's something like I said it's something we've used in the past um, but uh, when it doesn't go good, it's always, you know, it was one of those things Gruden said, don't worry, they'll boo me and not you. You know, it's one, it's one of those things. So, yeah, third and seven, and he checked into this uh, this dive play, and it didn't work. It went for about one yard, even though he says it was about to bust for a big one, but uh, we didn't see it. We didn't see it in the press box. We all questioned it. I know I tweeted about it immediately and just thought that that was a terrible play call and a, a, a terrible audible by him. So uh, part of it, and Greg Olson didn't meet with the media following the game, but part of it is how much is Derek Carr doing at the line of scrimmage that might be changing and checking out of the original play, and maybe it's a better play than what he ends up going for. Because, I mean, that, that play call in on Sunday was just atrocious. It was really, really bad. So uh, the Raiders really didn't stand a chance with the way that their offense was performing at all on Sunday. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, kind of news and notes of the day, kind of recapping what we saw on Sunday following the Raiders' 32-13 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now they're 5-5 five and five on the season. So uh, coming up in segment number two, going to start talking about the fact that this team is looking like and sounding like they're a broken team. Everything that they've had to deal with, all the changes, all the off-the-field distractions, they might just actually be too much for this team to handle. We'll talk about it. We'll explain it. You'll hear a couple more sound bites coming up in segment number two. Before we get to that, though, I do want to tell you about Direct TV Stream, and this is why. I'm sure this sounds familiar to you. You got one device. It lets you watch the game live. Then there's another stream that you're checking out your favorite show on. Then you're watching sports highlights on your phone. Then you've got your neighbor's best friend for uh, Netflix, right? Well, there's a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV stream and it brings you live tv and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place no juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever and the best part there's no annual contract you get rid of the clutter you get rid of the confusion and you get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com. that's directtv.com. compatible device required content varies by package segment number two it's on the way your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about this Raiders team and why they're looking and sounding like they're a broken team. Now, first of all, the look of a broken team is what we saw on Sunday from them against Cincinnati. I mean, just the way that they looked on the field, the way that the offense performed, the play calling from Greg Olson, the way that Derek Carr executed. I mean, a lot of people are saying bench Derek Carr, sit him down, bring Marcus Mariota in, and you could do that. But to me, it just kind of feels like it's probably too little too late at this point. I just don't think that the Raiders have it in them. I, I just I, it feels like that they don't. This game on Sunday, it wasn't a must-win mathematically, but I had mentioned multiple times throughout the course of the week, I felt like it was a must-win mentally. They needed to get back and get right in their head, and they didn't. They absolutely did not. Uh, they just blew many opportunities. Uh, they haven't won a game since their bye week. I mean, it's just nothing has gone right for the Raiders. And I just think that they are just mentally and physically, well, probably more mental than physical, just mentally exhausted. And they just can't do it anymore. I just don't think that this team has any more left in them. You know, I think that there's going to start to be a, a offseason plan pretty soon. You know, I mean, I think Mark Davis, I'm sure him and whoever's going to be in charge of whatever they do as far as searches go, who's going to be with the team, who's not going to be, I think that's going to start getting ramped up real fast. 
You know, so I'm not saying throw in the towel in the season at all, but I'm just saying that this team, to me, doesn't really feel like it's got a whole lot of fight left in it. Doesn't look like it has a whole lot of good game left in it. And I know a lot of people are going to question. A lot of people have questioned, even when I say, well, this team is different than, than other Raider teams. And I still believe that this team had a chance to be different. I believe going into the season, this team was different. I did. And I, I pounded that home every single day on the radio and on the podcast. But at the beginning of the season, they also had their head coach. The beginning of the season, they also had Henry Ruggs. Uh, then all of a sudden, everything started to fall apart. Uh, their coach is gone. Then Henry Ruggs is gone. We know that situation. I mean, a lot has happened to this team. So uh, everyone that's held it against me, oh, well, this team, I thought it was different, Q. That's fine. You can hold it against me. I'll take that. That's no problem. But I'll tell you, so much has happened that I think you can understand that, yeah, this team actually could have been a different team, but it just doesn't feel like it's a different team now. And so uh, in the postgame media session on Sunday, uh, I told my man, Damon, who's my producer and my co-host on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920 from 2 to 4 p.m. He does a good job. I told him he also works for media relations for the Raiders. So uh, I told him, I said, hey, make sure you look at me, man, because uh, I'm going to be asking a few questions in this media session. I don't always ask a bunch of questions because I, a lot of times I just like to hear and I like to observe the body language. But there were so many questions I had coming out of that game that I just felt like I needed to ask. So I asked Rich Basacci a question, asked Derek Carr a question, asked Darren Waller a question, and I just tried to asked the questions that I felt like Raider Nation really wanted to know. So the first one I asked Rich Basaccia was about the fact that I didn't feel there was a sense of urgency offensively until late in the game. All of a sudden, late in the game, Derek Carr goes three plays and 75 yards and gets it to the end zone. Where the hell was that the whole game? I looked over at Clay Baker and I was like, where was that? How did they go three plays, 75 yards? Like it was nothing. And they haven't done that all game. Like at, Up to that point, Derek Carr had about 85 yards passing. Then all of a sudden he gets 75 yards on one stinking drive. So I asked Basaccia straight up, why was there a sense of urgency late? Where was that all throughout the course of the game? Well, I, just, I felt like we had a sense of urgency the whole game. We just didn't do a very good job of connecting, especially on third down. You know, I think they gave us some uh, pressure a little bit, and we ended up playing in the check down game to some degree, and we got in some third and manageables, and we weren't able to capitalize you know, offensively. Um, so I, I don't really think the, you know, that was a big drive for us. Obviously, it was an explosive drive, and the, the negative of it was the kickoff return was too much, and we put our defense right back on the field. So um, you get a positive and a negative on the same drive, right? But I just thought the urgency was there, just the uh, execution was not. So there's Rich Basaccia's explanation on the sense of urgency. He says it was there throughout the course of the game. It just wasn't executed correctly. Well, I'll say this. They were able to execute it. They were able to get it down the field. They were able to push the ball down the field. Like he said, it became a check down game. There was a point where, and I think it still only was, what, two different wide receivers caught passes on the day. Zay Jones had one. I think Hunter Renfro had four, and that was it. As far as I was concerned, there was a point in the game where there was nobody but running backs and tight ends. And look, I'm not mad when Darren Waller gets gets a lot of attention, a lot of balls thrown his way. I'm okay with that. That was one of my keys of the game. You got to get that dude involved, and you got to get him involved early. So I'm okay with that. But man, there was just no attempt to stretch the field for the most part of the game until you know, you see that one drive, three plays and 75 yards. So next up, I asked Derek Carr, hey, how come you were able to get the ball down the field on that one drive, but you weren't really getting the ball down the field before that? You know, was that play calling? Was that the defense was taking it away? What was the problem there? Interesting answer from Carr. Yeah, I'll just, I'll let you guys talk about that stuff. Um, you can watch it and all that kind of stuff respectfully. Like you can watch it and, you know, come up with your own things and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm just going to try my best to execute the game plan like I always do, you know, but 
you know, being a Raider fan for a long time, you know, 20 years of this crap is enough. You know, I'm fed up. I just want to be a part of the, 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 the moment it changes. You know, I want that so bad. And uh, that's what keeps driving me. You know, I get pissed off and I get upset and I, I stand up here and I've done this way too many times than I'd like to do it. Um, you know, because in my heart, um, the men in our room, the way we work, the way we go after things, it shouldn't always end like this crap. And so uh, we have another one in just a few days against a really good football team. So if we don't want to stand up here and have to do this again, we better get it right. So I found that interesting for multiple reasons, not just because it was my question, but the fact that at first he said, uh, you guys could talk about that. I'll let you guys talk about that. So Derek Carr knows who he's talking to at all times. He knows if it's a writer, if it's a radio guy, if it's whatever it is, he knows. He always knows. You can always tell by his answer. But uh, he said at first, well, I'll let you guys talk about it. And then you see that pause that he, he had. And then he starts talking about being a 20-year Raider fan, and he's tired of this crap. And that's where the frustration comes in. I get it from the fan base. I totally get it because as a fan, I get tired of it as well. I get tired of seeing this team that looked real promising early on, looked real promising in training camp and preseason. Then all of a sudden, this happens to them. And again, multiple reasons, not necessarily anything that this the team that's currently out there could even control. But it's just, it's, it gets tiresome for the fan base. I totally get it. I've said it multiple times. There's nothing more than I want than to see this team win so the fans could have something to be excited and fired up about. But I like that he got fired up. I like that he got a little pissed off. You know, even someone hit me up on Twitter and was like, man, was he getting a little squirrely with you? Not really. I mean, he started to get a little sideways, but he cleaned it up. He said respectfully. You know, he, he, he it did seem like he was about to come at me foul. And then all of a sudden he said, well, respectfully. So he did clean that up, you know, because that's, that's all you got to do with all due respect and then you can go off. But uh, no, I was fine with that. I, I actually welcomed that. I wanted to see some fire and that's something that I saw and you could tell that that's frustration and the rest of the body language was frustration plus the body language that you saw from Carr on the field throughout the course of the game. What you saw from while he was sitting on the sideline, the body language just did not look correct. So the final soundbite I have from Derek Carr here is going to end up being a two-parter and what I mean by that is you're going to hear Derek Carr's response and then you're going to hear Denzel Perryman's response to a certain question question i'll explain it and tie it all together it'll make a whole lot more sense but Derek carr was asked about the quick turnaround and will it be good if they can get a win on the big stage playing the cowboys on thanksgiving and Derek carr is basically like hey we just need a win so here's his response and then like i said you'll hear denzel perriman responding to vinnie bonsignor asking him about having the game on thursday having that quick turnaround so check it out we need a win you know not, no one cares about anything else we need to win and um you know, what a great opportunity that you've got a short week. We don't even get time to breathe. You know, we don't even get time to decompress after that one. Like, I'll go home and I'll just start working on the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, that's, that's part, it's just part of the job and that's what you do. But in a way, it hopefully, hopefully it'll be good for our guys because either we go home and we go to work, or we be out on the strip, or we do those things and we, you know, go eat to late dinners and these kind of things, or we can get back to work and try and get a win. So there's Derek Carr. Simple answer, right? No big deal. Talking about onto the Cowboys. He's going to go home and he's going to work on the Cowboys game film and, and, and preparing for that game on Thursday. Now, here's Vinny's question about the quick turnaround and Denzel Perryman's response. Listen to the answer very carefully. I know it's hard to predict this at this moment, but is it, do you think it might be a good thing that there's a quick turnaround to another game and that you guys don't even have time to dwell on this? I, I mean, I'm already like done with Cincinnati like I said I got dinner reservation I'm worried about eating right now but uh on a serious note yeah I mean it, it does make it like better it's a real quick turnaround 
uh, we got to get ready for Dallas on Thursday. So, so just a couple of things that stood out to me in those sound bites right there. Derek Carr talked about uh, you can prepare for Dallas like he is. He's going to go home and prepare for Dallas, or you can go out on the strip. You can go out to dinner. Denzel Perriman walked into the media session and said, "Oh, there's a lot of you here today. We got to make this quick. I got dinner reservations." That was not on the broadcast. Nobody saw that broadcasting, and when they sent us the audio following it, that wasn't on there either. Even though they were rolling, so uh, clearly they didn't want that on there. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Carr brought up dinner reservations and then all of a sudden Denzel Perriman's talking about that. So to me, from outsiders looking in, to me it feels like Perriman probably said, and and Perriman's got kind of that just whatever type attitude anyway. Not that it's a bad thing. He just, I don't think he takes a whole lot too seriously. He's just out there playing ball and having a good time. Uh, Walks around with a smile on his face all the time. And again, that's not a bad thing. But I I feel like Denzel probably said in the locker room they were probably having some kind of conversation. He said, hey, we're doing our job. You guys get your stuff together. I got dinner reservations. I ain't got time for this. And that's part of the reason why Derek Carr said that in his media session. And the reason I bring that up is because, well, this segment is called Raiders are looking and sounding like a broken team. That's how teams start to get divided. The defense starts pointing fingers at the offense. The offense starts pointing fingers at the defense. Then all of a sudden, the frustration really kicks in and the blame game's going on. That's what I'm talking about. That is exactly what I feel like we're starting to see. Now, I think there's still enough time for them to bring it together and not let it fall apart. But, man, it's really on that edge where it feels like this team is about to become a broken team. And I'm not even talking about the playoffs anymore. I'm just talking about going and picking up a win here or a win there. You know what I mean? Because right now they've got to stop the bleeding, and it's bleeding bad. It's hemorrhaging. It is a bad, bad thing. So that was the reason why I brought those uh, those two to the table because it's something that I want to continue to monitor and see uh, how or if it's even spoke on or, or something like that is brought up again uh, later on throughout the course of the season. The final soundbite I want you to hear for this segment was Darren Waller answering my question when I asked about the team's problems that they've been having the last three weeks, ever since the bye week. They haven't won a game since the bye week happened. Are the problems the team is facing, are they correctable? Uh, I believe so. I believe we have a very talented team uh, in all phases of the game. I feel like I've seen what our, our best football looks like, our better football, and uh, when we can put it together and be consistent with it uh, in that ability, that's when I know things are able to turn around uh, with the talent that we have here. But, um, you know, we got to make it happen. It's not just going to fall in our lap. So Waller feels like the problems are correctable. Uh, I'm glad that he did correct himself when he said, I've seen our best ball. And then he said, well, I've seen our better ball because I don't think that you've seen their best ball yet. I think that the Raiders were a lot more capable of playing better than they did at any point so far this season. And I don't think they'll ever get to that peak point that they could have had, obviously, because a lot of elements are missing. But uh, I think that the the cracks are there, man. The team is starting to look like they're a broken team. And so uh, they got seven games guaranteed left. I'm interested to see exactly how they finish this thing off. You know, are they able to string some some wins together, uh, maybe a couple back-to-backs together. Are they able to keep this thing tight or whatever, or is it going to start to, like I said, fall apart? It feels like it's definitely falling apart. That's just from what I'm seeing from sitting at the games, being around the team, you know, being at the media sessions, and just, like I said, observing body language and, and the tone in which they're talking. Seems like this team is really close to being broken. Segment number three is on the way. I got calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before we get to that, though, do want to tell you about a couple great sponsors, including Built Bar. And I've been telling you about Built Bar for such a very long time. If you haven't tried it by now, I don't know what you're waiting on, and you are missing out 
on something that's fantastic. A great tasting protein bar, but it doesn't taste like a protein bar. That's the key to it. It's not chalky. It's not waxy. It's not dry. It's soft. It's 100% covered in chocolate. It's great. They got amazing flavors to choose from. Raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salt and caramel, double chocolate, cherry barcia, coconut, one of my favorites. And then they have limited time flavors every three to four days in the month of November. They're going to roll them out. And there's still a few days uh, left in the month of November, so they're going to be rolling out some more limited time flavors. Just check out the website early. Check out the website often. Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order just like that. Again, LOCK15 at Built.com if you want to get 15% off your order. I also want to tell you about BetOnline.ag, and they are your one-stop shop for everything you need. And what I mean by everything, college and pro basketball, college and pro football, NHL, boxing, UFC. They got Vegas casino games. They got anything that you can get your gamble on. They have it. They got you covered. They're your number one spot for all action all season long. Go to the website on your laptop or your mobile device. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How do you do that? Use the promo code Locked On. You'll get that 50% welcome bonus just like that. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and it's where the games start. Segment number three, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. That's the number. If you want to tweet at me, you can. At your boy Q254 if you want to get a message on that way. And let's go ahead and start with a tweet, as a matter of fact. This tweet comes from Damian Leba, I believe, at Damian L-E-Y-B-A. What's up, Q? New listener here. First off, love the podcast and what you do. With today's disappointing game, do you think it's time to clean house? It's hard for me to say at least, but I do know it's definitely not looking good. Again, Damian Leba on Twitter, at Damian L-E-Y-B-A. And thank you for that tweet, my man, short and sweet. And I'll say this, I'm not saying it's time to clean house at all, but I do think that the wheels are in motion for, you know, what's going to be coming up next. I mean, I really do. And and I think, and I said this, you know, when Rich Bisaccia first took over that Mark Davis was going to have a lot of tough decisions this offseason, who he was going to roll with moving forward, who was going to stick around, who wasn't going to stick around. Uh, I think this team is probably going to look completely different than what you see this year, next year. I don't think that it's time for a complete rebuild. I'm not going to go on that that track and say that, but I do think that there's going to be some key components not on this team in 2022, and who knows what they decide to do with the coaching staff. Who knows what they try to decide to do with the GM position. Uh, I can tell you this about the GM, Mike Mayock, on that third and seven play when uh, Derek Carr checked into that, uh, that, that dive play uh, from midfield right before halftime. Mayock came running out of his GM booth or the booth that he was in on the press box floor and ran down the hallway, hit the elevator, and went down to the ground floor to the stadium floor and was standing there uh, on the sideline. And then when the Raiders got the ball back again right before halftime, and they think they had like 24 seconds at two timeouts, and they basically did nothing with it. They did a little short check down to, to Hunter Renfro, and then they did something else. I forget, basically nothing. Uh, he put his arms in the air like, what the hell are you doing? So Mike Mayock was clearly frustrated as well on Sunday. So that that kind of 
is something to pay attention to because who knows what's going to happen with that position. Who knows if Mike Mayock's going to even be around after this year. But one thing I'm sure of, based off the reaction from the GM, that the halftime conversation with whoever he had that halftime conversation with, whether it was Rich Basaccia, Greg Olson, Derek Carr, the team, I don't know. I bet you that halftime conversation was pretty stinking spirited. Next up, we got a call from Big E from the 209. He's calling to ask what the hell he witnessed on Sunday and ask a question to me as well. Here he is, Big E from the 209. What up, Q? Big E from the 209, man. What the hell did I just watch on that screen, man? Uh, I I don't know what it is about this team anymore, man. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I've never been a car hater against Carr. I think he's a, a amazing quarterback still, but this la- this game you got to put on him. Offense came out completely flat. Play calling was horrible. I mean, they tried to get they tried to use one of your points that you had made previous, and you get Waller involved, but it still didn't work out, man. I mean, I may it's too early in the season to be talking about oh let's move on from Carr, but I mean, we should. I mean, the conversation kind of starts now. Uh, this season is, I mean. This was a must-win. I don't care what anybody says. Mathematically, no, we're not out. But was it a must-win for the team-wise? Yes. The second half-season collapse is in full effect right now. So my question to you is, where do we go from here, Q? That's all I want to know. It's still Raider Nation. Still love my Raiders. But damn, man, I'm tired of seeing them with this horrible, putting this horrible product on the field, man. I don't even know if I want to make them. I want them to make playoffs and put this part on the field. So have a good one, man. There he goes. Big E right there. Thank you for the call. And, you know, you could put Sunday's game on car and the whole offense. You know, Waller had a big game, but still didn't really have the big game that I was looking for. You know, yeah, yardage, great. Seven catches, great. But a lot of it felt like just kind of stat building to me. It didn't feel like anything that was uh, real big-time effective plays. I mean, he didn't get into the end zone. Now he had a couple longer plays. That 31-yarder was nice. 20-something yarder was nice. But, I mean, for the most part, it wasn't anything that was like, boom, one big play. Here's another big play. Here's another. I mean, it was just like one play, stall out. One play, stall out. You know what I mean? It was just, it wasn't as effective as I'd like it to be. Uh, there was a lot of bad play calling, the minimum run game, obviously, the wasted opportunities. I mean, there's there's a lot. You can it, it starts with Carr, like he mentioned in his media session, but there was a lot of blame to go around. Uh, as far as where does the team go from here, that's a great question. Honestly, what I think you should expect from this team the rest of the way, they got seven games left. I think you should trust that they're going to go out there and they're going to do their best, or at least they're going to do what they feel like is their best. They're going to attempt to do their best, and you hope that they can string together a couple wins here and there. You know, I mean, I, I just, I don't, my expectations, honestly, for the rest of the way are very low. And that sucks because, again, my expectations at the beginning of the season were playoffs. My expectations just a couple weeks ago when they played Kansas City on Sunday night was still playoffs. Now that they're on a three-game losing streak and looking like they just have no juice at all, it's just, hey, you got seven games, try to do the best you can with those games. Go out there and at least don't, you know, be embarrassing. Go out there and entertain. You know, seven games and then the end of the season will come up and then we'll talk about the offseason. And this offseason will not be a boring offseason. I do not believe. I just think a ton of the questions that you have right now and everyone has will start to get answered as soon as the season gets wrapped up. Thank you so much for that call. Next up, got a text from Joe in SoCal. Hey, Q, 
I know you don't think this was a must win, but this felt like a funeral. The season is over and this team will look different next year. We spent four years planning and now a new architect will take over next year. Raider Nation for Life, Joe from SoCal. Thank you so much for the text. And actually throughout the course of the whole week, I kept saying that this feels like a game that is as close to being a must win as you could possibly have without it being a game where you could be mathematically eliminated. This was a game, in my opinion, that the Raiders needed to have. They needed to have this game way more than Cincinnati did, even though they both had the same record. Uh, This was a game that they needed to have for their own mental. And that's another reason why in segment number two, I said they're starting to look like a broken team. And, you know, I I don't want to just come out there and and call them a broken team when they still have seven games left to play. And maybe they can snap out of it, but it sure doesn't feel like it. So, yeah, I mean, mathematically, they're still in it. But mentally, I feel like they're not still in it. So, yeah, I mean, I I said that throughout the course of the week, both on the radio and the podcast. So I'm right there with you, my man. I'm I'm not against you at all on that one. Uh, It did feel like it was almost a. uh, ending to the season, even though it was only their 10th game of the season. Next up, got a quick call from Raider Wolf from the 913. He's calling to air out his issues he's having with the team and sounded like he might have been walking out of some venue after watching the game. Here he is, Raider Wolf. Man, Q, I got to call in, man. It's your boy Raider Wolf from the 913. I am a new booty. I've been listening to you since the Black Hole Banter, so. This game is terrible, man. These dudes is trash. This team is trash. Cars trash. I hope that whole offense gets replaced next day. This is pathetic. Hey, this is really, really pathetic. This makes no sense. I moved all the way from Kansas City to Vegas, you know what I'm saying, to see my boys, to be with my boys. And for what? They're trash, man. Super trash. But anyway, Q, man, thanks for all the advice. Um Good looking out on the circuit. I went there and watched the game today. And uh, just looking forward to catching up with you, man. Keep doing what you do. I love what you do. Take care, homie. Raider Wolf, and I'm out. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. I'm glad you enjoyed the circa and totally understand the frustrations, man. It, It does to me feel like this team needs a big facelift. Not saying that it's all one person's fault, but it just seems like I don't know. It just it, it just seems like they're not there. They're they're not where they need to be. And there's going to be, like I mentioned multiple times now, there's going to be some tough decisions made uh, following the season. It's just it's just not clicking at all right now. So thank you so much for that. Again, I'm glad you enjoyed your your time at the Circle watching the game, and uh, hopefully you enjoy your time here in Las Vegas. And I got time for one more text, and we'll take it from the Raven. Hey Raider Nation, it's the Raven from an undisclosed location. Less than a month ago, I was hopeful that Versace would shock all. Get this team to the playoffs and secure the job as head coach to provide some consistency to this franchise. But what I've witnessed the past three weeks pretty much displays why Versace has never earned a head coaching position after two decades in the league as a coach. He just doesn't have what it takes to prepare a team to translate what they are doing in practice to game day. And his lack of fire has a team playing lackluster, uninspired football, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I hate to say it, but I think it's time to blow it all up. And Mark Davis has big decisions to make this offseason. One, does he keep Mayock and see what he can do for at least one draft on his own? Or does he clean house? Two, does he hire a new GM and let them pick the head coach? Or does he pick both positions himself? Three, does he give Derek Carr an extension? And an even tougher question, is he worth one? Four, do any of the 2019 draft classes are the fifth-year option? Stay strong, Raider Nation. Stay strong. That's from the Raven. Very lengthy text, Raven. Do appreciate you. And those are the questions. Those are the great questions right there. Uh, Mayock and the GM position, what Mark Davis does with that, I have no idea. Does he give Carr an extension? I wouldn't give Carr an extension right now. Not that I don't think he's a good quarterback, just I don't know what direction this team's going to go. I don't know if they're going to have a new GM. I don't know if they're going to have a head coach. I don't know if they're going to want someone else. You know what I mean? Like, 
Those are all questions that whoever's in charge have to answer. And if it's only going to be Mayock for a year, do you want to take a chance to give Carr a super long extension and then all of a sudden have to try to trade him? Or I mean, you just never know what the next head coach is going to want to do. Uh, the 2019 draft class, do any of them get the fifth-year option? I don't think that they do. I honestly don't. You know, I, I was holding out hope that Josh Jacobs was going to get a fifth-year option, but I said it weeks ago that $10 million, I don't see them picking up that fifth-year option. And Jonathan Abram, yeah, he started off the season pretty good, and he's had moments where he's been good, but not enough. You know, I, I don't see any of those guys getting their fifth-year option picked up. So you're spot on with the questions. I just can't give you no answers. <laughs> I can give you a couple opinions, and that's it. And, and those are the ones I gave you. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. And that's going to do it for today's show, Raider Nation. It's a short week. It's a weird week. Uh, I think that everyone's taking off Thanksgiving on the Locked On Podcast Network. But at the same time, the Raiders game is on Thanksgiving. So uh, it's going to be a little bit different for me. So this week, uh, we're obviously going to start turning the page and looking towards the Cowboys a lot quicker uh, than we normally would. I think on uh, Wednesday, I'll give you the keys to the game, what I think the Raiders are going to have to do to have a victory like I do normally on Fridays. I'll do that on Wednesday. Uh, we'll try to have the crossover edition for Thursday's show and I'll try to do a follow-up show for Friday. So I don't think that the week's going to slow down and change any for me, but you never really know because it is a Thanksgiving week and you just don't know how uh, everything's going to shake out and how it's going to work out. But uh, the Raiders are back on the field in a matter of a couple days. Uh, Thanksgiving in Dallas versus the Cowboys. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, we'll have more calls and texts on the show. We'll have more news and notes of the day. And of course, we'll have some more topics to talk about as the Raiders prepare for the Dallas Cowboys. Until then, Raider Nation, stay strong, stay safe, take care of yourself, take care of your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.